Welcome back. I'm Ted Williams, the guy with the golden pipes, and that was California Dreaming by Baby Huey. It's 79 degrees at 3.24 p.m. on this beautiful Friday, and there's an accident down on the St. Helena Highway, so keep that in mind as you move around the valley today, good friends, because the wine is flowing and the grapes are growing. Soon we'll head back down to the Midnight Miracle, but remember to keep calling in because we are giving away sold-out tickets to the festival every hour on the hour. And before we go, just want to give a special shout-out to Lickety Lips playing down at Shenanigans next Sunday. So without further ado, welcome to the Midnight Miracle. Featuring Talib Kweli, Dave Chappelle, and Yasin Bey, a.k.a. Most Deaf, a.k.a. Pretty Flacco. Thank you, David. Damn. Still <laughs> doing the housekeeping, guys. No, you know, listen, I don't mind entertainment value. Right? You know, when Chuck Berry does the duck walk across the stage, when James Brown does the thing with the cape, when Michael Jackson with the glove, and on and on and on and on. I'm not against that, but so often entertainment in the context that we're talking about it now mocks art the same way that opulence mocks elegance or the same way that glamour mocks beauty. Well, there's two examples that I can think of that go to exactly what you're talking about. I hang out with John Mayer a lot. And one time, Bradley Cooper asked me why I hang out with John Mayer so much. <laughs> and I told him, I said, Bradley, because he's the best at something. Now, you might have heard John Mayer on the radio, but you've never sat in his kitchen and heard him just actually play. It's incredible. You've never been on a phone call with one of you guys and heard how well you speak or how thoughtful you are about everything. So sometimes the product that we sell almost undercuts the art that we actually do. It's like eating Chinese food in America. Well, they changed some shit, so we'll like it. You know, but you said something in the speech that you gave at Duke Ellington. You said art is a powerful commodity. An artist, if you're good at it, should never behave as a commodity. That's a tough one. It's a necessary one. It's a tough one, bro. Ask yourself, as a human being, if you went through any of your interactions on a day-to-day or the better portion of your interactions on a day-to-day behaving as a commodity, how useful would that be to you or anyone else that you engage with. Now, if you agree to treat yourself like an object, then what do you become? No, no, no. Okay, when I make a special, I make it as an artist. But when I sell that motherfucker, I'm a merchant. I don't think it's either or. I think it's fine. I think you can create something as an artist and sell it as a merchant without... Being on a metaphorical host role? Exactly. Before the pandemic, I toured 200 days a year. Jesus. I was the most torn rapper. Once the Roots took Jimmy Fallon, I was the most torn rapper. And I did it because I felt like I had to do it. I felt like people will only pay me if I show up in the flesh. I got to feed my family. I got to rise and grind. I got to keep up with these other artists. I lived a lot of my life. I spent a lot of my career doing that. And You regret it? No, there were some rewards to it. But 
the age and wisdom and experience now, I look back at that time, I don't recognize that person. I don't know how I did that. And when the pandemic happened, it was the first time I was faced with, not the choice, but I'm like, okay, there are no more shows. So who am I? What is it that I do? And I had to figure it out. So grateful for a certain brand of laziness that I possess. (laughs) That's not, you are not lazy. Oh, yes, I am. (laughs) You better believe it. I'm like, I'm not doing shit today. (laughs) I don't care what these people say. I have quite enough food. This is fine. It took me to get well into my 40s to feel like that. Man, I always like relaxing. (laughs) Since I was a little child, my favorite thing to do is nothing. (laughs) I love that. I have so much shit to do. My life is action-packed, standing still. I, too, have a very full inner life, but I got a split decision on this one. First of all, okay, Kwali, right before the pandemic, I remember you got really sick. Yeah. And all these years I've known you, I don't know that I've ever known you to be sick. And I was the first one with COVID yeah, in yeah, America. Yeah. <laughs> like, before they had a name for it, Kwali yeah. was like, got it. <laughs> but I remember when you got sick, it was the first time I ever known for you to, like, just power down, and I was relieved for you. But... The benefit of being out live so much is a phenomenon that I like to call happening in real life. In this digital age, it's very rare that somebody engages people the way that you engage them, the frequency you engage them. And I would prefer to be that kind of artist. I would like to be like Paul Bunyan. Not everyone's seen Paul Bunyan, but everybody knows about this motherfucker. And the stories are better than he actually was. But to Yasin's point, him sitting still is not the same as a regular person sitting still. This motherfucker thinks about everything and it reflects in his work. The type of work that you do would require you to be that kind of still. Yes. But like I tell my wife, if you see me writing something or typing something or saying something, I'm not really working. But if you see me rubbing my head like I'm figuring something out, don't bother me because that's what I'm Because that's the real think. work. And I used to feel guilty about podcasting, right? Because I'm like, I put blood, sweat, and tears into all these bars, and these bars are amazing. And they just want to sit and hear me talk. And I feel like I'm cheating. But then somebody said they want to hear you talk because of the work that you put in. It was me. Seriously. First day of recording Midnight Miracle, I said that. I played the tape. I spent my whole career getting really good at rapping and sweating on stage. You mean to tell me me just sitting around talking shit with y'all is far more valuable than a rap song? <laughs> it's only valuable because you rap so well. Ah, oh, there we go. That's bars. There we go. There you go. Bars. If you wasn't Talib Kweli, then I'd just be talking to a nigga from Brooklyn with, <laughs> who had a bookstore that's, yeah. that moved very little inventory. <laughs> But also the whole notion is like, yeah, you're a black man in the world and you can say anything as long as you put it to a mid-tempo groove. Right. That's true. As long as you frame it as entertainment product. I'm keen to just resist that because I'm like, okay, well, and if that's true, then make it true for everybody. But it's not true for everybody. Oftentimes we have to endure the... uh, Disrespect. Or, Shut or, up and or, dribble. Or, or just beyond that, even just the opinions of the uneducated, the uninformed, the unlettered, the un-un. And people are like, oh, no, let him finish. I'm like, okay, well, great. Okay, if that's the field, then when he's finished, I go. And I get to say 
whatever. You don't have to agree with me. I certainly don't agree with you, but you're safe from me. Whether I agree with you or not, I'm not going to burn down your house. I'm not going to block off any access that you have to any necessary thing that you need. But I'm not safe with you. Somebody, it's like that line that Jeffrey Wright's character says in Angels in America. He said, I don't have to love America. I live here. And it's not that I don't love America. I do love America. Does America love me is the question. I don't even know how I feel about America right now with all these rash changes. What I'm very consistent on is my love for Americans, that I trust these people more than the media and more than the government. We had Dead Prez open for our show at Black Star last night in Denver. Risky move by a corporate standpoint. <laughs> <laughs> but they got a song I forgot on Let's Get Free. They got a song about storming the Capitol. Well, I mean, the Bad Brains logo is the lightning bolt striking the Capitol. And our, my DJ Spinelec was wearing that Bad Brains T-shirt with that logo. But I mean, listen, let's let's just, let's just let's zoom out a little bit. The 1830 Indian Removal Act. That's not a metaphor for what it was. That's what it was named. Right. The 1830 Indian Removal. Act. Now, let me put that in some context. Malcolm X, Johnny Carson, and Merv Griffin were born in 1925. That's shy of 100 years of the Indian Removal Act of 1830. So this is current events. The Tulsa happened in 1921, 100 years ago. That's current events. My grandmother was born in 1917. That's current events. I could look back 100 years of my own family and to one of my immediate ancestors. So why would you be surprised? Uh, not surprised. I mean, people could be shocked, but zoom out. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. I saw on the internet yesterday in Butler County. Butler County is a county in Ohio, by the way. Right. In Butler County, there was a cop who was on one of those reality shows, TLC reality show about police women in Cincinnati, they got her on the camera. Her own body cam. Her own body camera. Oops. Right? Her claim was a 16-year-old black kid flipped her off. She was in traffic in front of the school. Oh, yeah, so... Mothers were trying I to pick... I hate these She said... I, she, first, she said, I hate the whole fucking world. Then she said, I hate these niggers. Oh, well, you, do you want to unpack this? Uh, yeah. You're not going to agree with me. Okay, let's go. Of course she said she hates these niggers. 
She's yeah. from Butler County, Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, honestly, so the fuck what? You could, you know what I mean? If right. you work at McDonald's and hate hamburgers, just so just give me my hamburger. Like, as long as you do the fucking job, I don't well, need you. I mean, but let's unpack this, because someone who hates the whole fucking world serve and protect the inhabitants of the world. All right, to be fair, this problem is one of the major problems, I think, with policing in the United States. And I want to get all political about it. But to have a cop that's been in the service 20, 30 years. She was 14 years. 14 okay, years 14 years. It's like deploying a soldier in a battlefield for 14 years at home. That this woman has to see people when they're at their worst. No one calls the police to tell them how good their day is going. This bitch has to go and break up family fights and, and all this dirty, dirty shit. Speaking of breaking up family fights, she was arrested three years ago for domestic violence. She beat up her sister because she lost a card game. Because, you know why? Because <laughs> she hates every fucking body in the world. And I believe her. Look at police officers. Occupational suicide rate. They're the highest. Occupational domestic d- violence. Domestic violence. Divorce. Everything bad that a motherfucker could choose to do, they lead it because they are a reflection of the rest of the society. They're like garbage men if garbage could shoot you and fight back. <laughs> Why don't we get some of these fitness models? You know what I'm saying? They look qualified. What are to they doing police? with all of this stamina? So you want to get a bunch of fitness yeah, models? Yeah. Yeah, I do. <laughs> what else are they doing? <laughs> what are you doing with all these muscles? We need safety in these streets. <laughs> if you get a fitness model, here's going to go your arrest. Step out of the car, please. <laughs> Yeah, I'm about to arrest this nigga real quick. I'm about to fuck his whole day. Watch this. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I see some of these police officers. They be like, come on, man. Look at the, how they clothes fit on them. <laughs> Dude's pants is hanging off all weird. You know, all his you? criticisms come back to clothes. <laughs> <laughs> how dare you say that to me? Dressed like an imbecile. Nigga, this is not the same color black. Your shirt and pants is two different (laughs) color blacks talking to me about some bullshit. (laughs) What is them, nigga? (laughs) Flip-flops. I don't respect your authority. Yeah. Could you imagine if police had flip-flops and walked up on niggas (laughs) making that noise? Slippity, slappity, slippity, slappity, slippity, (laughs) slappity. I don't respect this nigga. Oh, my God. Shoot, we need some different types. World's strongest man competition. These dudes is pushing boulders up hills. Hire him. Let's get two dozen of them. I don't know. What do you mean? You walk into a neighborhood, and you be like, who's that on duty? Nobody wants problems. (laughs) Well, first of all, small talk real quick. How was Denver? It was amazing. I enjoyed Denver. The crowd was good. I mean, people seemed like they were, like, in the zone, if you will. <laughs> and shout out to Farrell Marsh at 13, too. Oh, yeah. Farrell Marsh was there? Farrell Marsh yeah. is his band. It's one of the most exciting, interesting bands, rock bands he I've performed seen in a while. Racist, too. I love that song. Yeah, Farrell Marsh is incredible. It was a good night. I just remember that thing I did at the end when I said, life is amazing. That was beautiful. Did you make that up on the spot? No. Okay. I, would, I mean, I would love to have lied and really just <laughs> impressed you even more. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I did. No, um, but I've been hearing that. It's actually from my man, uh, Anwar Khalifi, the painter. He said, life is amazing and full of miracles one time in a conversation. And it just came to me, life is amazing and full of miracles. It was fun to be your fan watching you do that because I never, I'm on stage with him and I didn't know he was going to do that. I never heard it. So now I'm just a fan watching him perform, but I get to be on stage. 
Oh, that's dope. It was dope. And the crowd kept singing it back. They did. But I got life is amazing and full of miracles. Life is amazing and full. Life is amazing and full of miracles. And they just kept they kept doing a long part. Yeah. Life is amazing and full of miracles. Oh, the whole crowd? The whole yeah. Crowd. Okay, that's fine. We should try that now. <laughs> I mean, I'll just sitting there. Life is amazing and full of miracles. I just heard it. It's catchy, nigga. And then the next thing you know, Ford. Ford trucks. Life is amazing and full of miracles. Ford. Ford trucks. Life is amazing and full of miracles. We'll be back. We've got to pay some bills.